Support for Around with Stephen Cole comes from Infinium Spirits, a family-owned spirits company specializing in the import, sales, and marketing of its distinctive portfolio of brands. Infinium Spirits, igniting brands. Welcome back, faithful listeners. I'm Steve Yamada. I'm T. Cole Newton, and coming to you pre-recorded from my Mid-City Bar 12-mile limit, it's time for Around with Steve and Cole. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 2 of Around with Steve and Cole. We've got a couple of really great guests for you today. Our friends Stephen McDonald and Skylar Stroop. You may know them from their Night People routine as two of the six marauding members of Sweet Crude. Um, But you may not know that they also work for one of the uh, more successful tech businesses in New Orleans. Sort of the early survivors of the tech bubble bursting in the late 90s even. They were the iSeats has been around since 1999 and is one of the shining examples of the New Orleans tech sector. So we're going to talk a little bit about their night jobs, their their meteoric rise to stardom in the <laughs> bilingual indie rock game, which is, I'm sure, very competitive. And then we're going to talk a little bit after a break. And we're going to have some cocktails and talk a little bit about their uh, their day life right and, uh, and the tech world. Yeah, really looking forward to this episode. Um, I think it's a good intersection and it's a good representative of a lot of people in New Orleans right now, whereas we all are pursuing a passion, but to ensure that passion as well, too, we have to have that day job. Um, I think that's the same for many of us. I mean, this podcast is a perfect example of this. This might is this be, your passion? Is this, this is my t- passion. I'm so passionate <laughs> about about talking into microphones and putting it on the internet. It's, it's going well so far. It is going well so far. Welcome we to season two, everybody. Season two. Neat. But yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and just get some introductions out of the way. Let's start with our first guest. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, my name's Steven. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's my first name. Stephen McDonald. There it is. My full name. (laughs) (laughs) Off to a great start. Uh, Is that it? That's your intro? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I'm only my name. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. This is going to be a long one. Uh, (laughs) Hey, hey everybody. uh, I'm Skylar Stroop, and I guess that's my full name. So I'll I'll leave it at that. We'll get into the other stuff later. Oh, wow. All right. Well, let's see. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the music careers. You guys, <laughs> I, I just learned this today. I don't know how this had escaped me. I've known you guys for a long time. You guys have been coming to the bar since probably two or three months after we opened. Um, Skylar, I, I moved to New Orleans after college in 2010. The bar opened in 2010, and it didn't take long for us to find each other. Um, and But I, I don't know how I never knew that you had what was it a high school band that you guys were in together with some of the other regulars from the bar that moved from I the thought circle? this one was off topic <laughs> we gotta start at the beginning yeah. Yeah. so yeah would you please tell us the name of your ska cover band from high school that both Steven and Skylar were in yeah we were uh, both unfortunately in a band named Kamaskazi <laughs> Kamaskazi oh I love it yeah that's pretty great I, I, though I mean I must say it's probably a lot better than the high school bands that I went to go see when I was in high school I remember the there was one band called Near the Never in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. They were like the hot high school band. Like, you know, you couldn't couldn't touch the members of that band. And uh, their, their claim to fame was, I think they played the Viper Room or they were on TRL one time. And like, 
it's just like that was like the peak. But that's gonna be unfortunate too. Like you guys have your new band and you've got these careers, so it's like you know, Kamaskazi wasn't like the peak for you guys. I feel I feel for near the never. That was that was the best they ever did. They're working at Kmart now, I'm sure. Well, I guarantee you, we were nothing to uh, listen to or see back then. No, um, but uh, I I think there is something to be said about getting your. Uh, your pre-band jitters out or your first experiences out uh, at a young age, mm-hmm. kind of learn what uh, what it takes and what not to do is, is kind of a better way to look at Fair it. Fair enough. Lots of band drama back then? Uh, more just weird, really dumb kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just imagine a lot of children who are also in marching band. And then they're trying to be in a rock band. That's every ska band. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it's, always, it's always the band nerds who, who start the ska band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's another anecdote from, uh, from at least Skylar's high school music career. Um, your sister told me about this one. What? What she describes <laughs> that there's like a before and after Skylar where there was a talent show. And you did an entire Justin Timberlake set, and before then, she says you were like really awkward and like had a kind of socially mal- maladjusted. And then after that, you were like the most popular kid in school overnight because of your miraculous oh. Justin Timberlake set, which I have seen you do Justin Timberlake sets because you used to do uh, that the, the show at Casa Casa that uh, was mostly covers. That's right. Uh, so so let me let me uh, clarify a few things here. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring down the awesome in that story a little bit um (laughs) please it was not it was not an overnight success and it was also not uh as cool as justin timberlake it was actually john mayer (laughs) and unfortunately i know i know um but i did and i did one song your body is a wonderland oh i know i know um but i you know that's what you did when you were uh 16 and and you learning how to play guitar and trying to swoon women that, apparently that's that a swooner that's song actually that literally i think it's just like how can i swoon yeah maybe john mayer didn't use those words particularly i don't think he's quite as suave to say words like swoon <laughs> but he also dated taylor swift so what can i say i can't well, judge the guy can't, can't judge the guy she is very pretty so basically your high school career was the plot to a made-for-tv disney movie <laughs> we did also lose a talent show uh contest by playing a maroon five song Kamaskazi did? Um, no, some, basically, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the jazz band. Uh, and we lost, I think we did a good job, but, you know, we... Uh, Who'd you lose to? We lost to another person who lives here, Julie O'Dell. Um, this is so funny, because Julie O'Dell, uh, if you if your listeners don't know Julie, you should, you should check out her music. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible singer-songwriter out of New Orleans uh, here. Well, we grew up with her uh, in Mandeville. Um, known her forever, and she has almost always been making better music than us. <laughs> <laughs> is she still? And she is. She okay. is still making really, really good music. Do you ever just look back and you're like, we would have won that high school talent show if it wasn't for that damn Julia Dell? <laughs> I told her that like two weeks ago. <laughs> Take that, Julie. She didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, also, like, listen to our show, Julie. That'd be really great. <laughs> you guys should have her on. She's, she's a super interesting, uh, awesome human being. Right on. Cool. Um, well, yeah. after uh, Cole can uh, maybe stop making this such a hostile interview towards Skyler. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, y'all are both from the North Shore. Um, it's interesting. Cole ran our statistics on our show recently, and I believe that only 40% of our listeners come from the New Orleans area. Is that correct? Or well, 40% in are in Louisiana. Are in Louisiana. So we have a lot of listeners on the show 
who aren't from uh, who aren't from Louisiana aren't familiar with the area as well too. So uh, I think it'd be really interesting to describe y'all both growing up in Mandeville. What's that like mm. growing up close to New Orleans, not in New Orleans? What's that kind of mentality? What's that like growing up? You want to take that one? Yeah, uh, Mandeville is a suburb about thirty minutes north of New Orleans. Um, I'd probably classify it as a middle to upper class uh, town city. It's a city. Um, <laughs> And I don't know. Growing up there, I basically spent most of my time swimming or mud riding with my friends. Nice mud riding, four wheelers, yeah. uh, trucks, trucks, trucking. Yeah. I was I used to own a huge truck and it was awesome. And nice. now I don't. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> so Mandeville. I I believe at least what I was told is mostly the place that uh, businessmen women uh, moved to who who worked in the city but didn't want to. Um, they wanted, you know, the nicer suburb type uh, living. Um, with there's uh, a phrase for that. What, what, it, what is that? that? <laughs> yeah, what is that? I don't know how to. I don't know how to. Some do sort it. of flight. Well, yeah, flight. Yes. Flight. yes. Yeah. Something along those lines. Um, so that is Mandeville. Um, yeah. A, a lot of, um, um, I would say, as uh, well. I don't want to say wealthy, but you know, some some well-off people, mm-hmm. um, and a pretty pretty safe environment growing up, at least where we were. So, I mean, we got in a lot of trouble, um, but it was more like you know, uh, neighborhood kid trouble. Uh-huh. Um, and and it's really funny because you're so close to the city, um, and and we we came down here all the time. I think your dad ended up your dad worked down here, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. So we were we'd come here, and it was like a it's a thirty minute drive on a bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Growing up in New Orleans is something I, you know, I tell to people who aren't from here because I, basically, you know, it's it's a stone's throw away. Um, but culturally, like night and day different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's literally people don't lock their doors. Uh, people don't, you know, you can, um, you know, uh, go out on at night at any point. Never, you don't like coming here. I was actually kind of dumb several times because you don't think about where mm-hmm. you are, your environment, and right. um, you know. So it's uh, it's interesting being not that far away, but um, uh, kind of a different world. Cool. Was there a goal to move here eventually? Did you, when you were in high school, when you were younger, were you thinking like, one day I'm going to live in New Orleans? Or uh, did it just happen to end up that way? For me, the it's sort of embarrassing. I never really considered leaving Louisiana in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just knew that I didn't want to go to LSU. Okay. Uh, Fair. <laughs> Take that, you uh, Tigers fans! Yeah, yeah. It was. I don't know why. All my friends went. I, I missed. The, I missed them for four years. Uh, but yeah, I was just like, no, I, I don't want to go to LSU. I might as well go to New Orleans and see what's up over there. And you went to Loyola then? I did. Yeah, and studied saxophone. Yeah, I tried to go to UNO or Loyola, and uh, turned out that UNO was extremely difficult to get into uh, for the jazz program. <laughs> Alice Marcellus teaches uh, it, right? Or yeah, he's a yeah. Director. I, I basically made a fool of myself uh, for my interview. Oh no! Uh, where you know you do audition, you talk about stuff, and I'm like, oh, I don't know anything. Like, thought I want to play jazz, and I only listen to ska bands. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so that was like a high high level uh, thing, and then I tried Loyola, and uh, they they basically understood where I was coming from a little bit more, and mm. so I ended up going over there. Cool. How were your experiences going to Loyola? It was great. Um, uh, Loyola, uh, if if you're not familiar, it's like a pretty small uh, Catholic school, um, and uh, basically you just spend well for me, I spent all of my time hanging out with art and music and film kids. And uh, basically discovered a love for all of that kind of stuff, and you know, 
I don't know. It's yeah. Still- I always really think it's cool. kind of weird. Um, I came down here to go to Tulane, and it's like Loyola is the school that's being eaten by Tulane. Like Tulane is like three times as big, and they're literally next door. It's like a block, and like half the block is Tulane stretching back like infinitely, and then Loyola is like three blocks going back on the other half. Yeah, of that it's block. very small. So it's, it's kind of weird. Like I mean, you end up like in social situations from people from Loyola, but it's always it's very very different environments. It's, I I always found the people that I met from Loyola ended up to be. Seeming more creative, a little bit happier than most of the people that went to Tulane. No offense to anybody who went to Tulane. Um, and uh, uh, just a little more down to earth, too. Like, I always tell people when I first came to Tulane, I was in the financial aid line for orientation, and there was like three of us, but then there was a super long line for everybody whose parents were just writing checks after four years of college. Oh my goodness. So I'm just like, yes. I just. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm going to have to work to pay my food bills. <laughs> you, were in a, you, you were in a couple bands when you were in college, too, right? Before I was. Uh, I was in a hip-hop band my first year of school. Um, uh, it was called Empire. I believe that, that came from watching Star Wars a bunch. <laughs> uh, they were awesome, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, incredible. Uh, and then like, I was in like a piano rock band. And the guy who was basically the, the leader of the band, he would hate it, but, you know, very Ben Foldsy. Uh, he, he liked to imagine himself more as a Bruce Springsteen type, which he himself is, but I don't, I'm not sure about the music. Mm. Um, and then, like, after the storm, you know, people come and go after, uh, you know, environmental disasters. Uh, those kind of went away. Uh, and um, basically, there was a lot of opportunity to play. Played in a lot of bands, to be honest. Uh, but after that, I was in a band called Big Rock Candy Mountain. Oh, yeah. Kind of a hard rock. I hate saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's you call guys it, rock. Let's call it a rock and roll band. It's a rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah. you guys and play then, rock music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First time, and I was like, "That's that's gonna be a folk band, right? Because that's it's a folk song." We, but we, it was it was more big rock than Candy Mountain. We we met a lot of very upset people while we were on tour, <laughs> uh, all over the country, from Arizona to to North Carolina. People were very upset when we started playing music. <laughs> uh, Right on. So, Skylar, let's talk about you. You didn't end up here. You did not end up in New Orleans for your college career. Where did you end up? Um, for college, well, what's interesting is I actually uh, applied to go to Loyola, and mm-hmm. I, I was down to audition. I think the same day Stephen was um, got a nice scholarship, and I was really excited about it. And then uh, real they they slapped a, like a housing. You have to stay on housing or whatever, and then that ended up being a ton of money that I was not you know prepared to get into so i went to the less expensive college um which i also had some teachers and um i was taking privately from uh in hammond louisiana Hmm. um so that's kind of the driver that that put me over there um and then i went to school for music education cool so i was going to be a band director and then when you moved to new orleans you were a band director of sorts (laughs) yeah so i got my first first post-college uh job um as a music director at a church uh, here in New Orleans, um, and uh, that was super fun. I did that for about two years. I th- remember myself when I was the age when I moved to New Orleans right after college, and I can't imagine a church having put up with me for an extended period of time <laughs> when I was making the kind of decisions that you make when you're a recent college guy that moves to New Orleans. Um, that. Yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit of culture shock there. I, you know, uh, I I really liked Southeastern. I thought they did a great job pre- preparing me for uh, being an educator. Um, th- they they actually have a really good education program. Um, so 
coming into a position where I was actually running and leading these choirs and and bands and things. These, these were like very easy for me to do, and I, I enjoyed it. Um, and and the people were awesome. Um, I think the harder thing was, uh, you know, making sure you're up at 6 a.m. <laughs> to go to church, uh, which, you know, if you're trying to be um, a musician and trying to take gigs Saturday nights and, and stay out late was was difficult. Yeah, it's do unfortunate you, that Sunday morning comes after Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I think do that's you, why they do that. I think uh, it's to test your faith. Catch you. Yeah. <laughs> we got you. Figured you out. <laughs> <laughs> so with the church that you went to, was it like dual service on Sundays as well too? Like there was an early service and then like a later service? Yeah. So then you have to sit through the same sermon? Uh, n- yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. God, that, that second one must be, I mean, no offense to church going people, I guess, yeah. but that second one must be pretty rough to sit through. You're like, I heard it already. I get it. Yeah. And 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 three times sometimes it was times. you know an e- a morning an early and a, a late and a and an evening service mm. um, and you know I think it was it was fine for me it was it was a lot of fun I I really did enjoy it and people were awesome um, I, I ran a choir I had a praise and worship band mm. uh, I had a handbell choir I had a children's choir uh, which was really cool <laughs> um, no it was super fun and we got to do some awesome programming and you know um, put put my music skills. Um, to work, um, I was just a little disappointed that I couldn't be out kind of making the music that I wanted to be making and mm-hmm. making the really the connections, the mu- musician friend connections. I yeah. think I was working kind of siloed into you know the church world there, um, which is ultimately why I ended up you know moving out of that. So you guys are both on the South Shore now. You've known each other for years. When when did you guys start playing music together? I basically always, I've just always wanted to be in a band with Steven. Steven makes like the best music. So I figured <laughs> once I moved down here, I just had to weasel my way into one of his bands. And that's exactly what I did. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah. even really, I don't even really do anything in Sweet Crude. I just, I'm just there. <laughs> yeah. So um, we started playing music together basically with, uh, with Sweet Crude um, as adults. Um, uh, basically, a lot of the members of the band, we all lived in the same house, about a uh, one-minute walk from this bar, um, uh, and a lot of our bands had just recently fallen apart, and we are just sitting around, basically watching The Office, and figured that we're all still paying for our, our practice spaces, and we should go practice a little bit, maybe. Um, and so, for me, it was, it was myself, and Sam Craft, and Alexis Marceau. Uh, we wanted to play, and then Skyler literally lived on the other side of the house. We live in a double, um, basically a house full of musicians. And, uh, you know, it just sort of came around to we should start playing some music, and a lot of people had some drums. And um, I would say that's probably, that was probably around 2012, 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was super fun. And we started tossing around the idea. Um, you know, uh, Sam and Alexis have Sam. Uh, Alexis and the Samurai, they have their own duo project, um, and and so they've been playing uh, some of these kind of Cajun-esque uh, songs, some things that they've been working on. Um, Sam basically had this spark of an idea, like, that that would be really cool, um, or, and her, I should give credit to Alexis, she probably had this idea too, I don't know actually where <laughs> it came from. Um, they, uh, but that's, I think that was kind of the foundation. Those guys um, brought that concept to a uh, uh, us unemployed musicians at the time. Nice. I, I Alexis and the Samurai, um, which is just those two. Um, I heard their album, uh, Layla and the Orange Moon, 
and it has a lot of the same kind of qualities that the that the, the sweet crude stuff has. But when I heard it the first time, I was like, man, this is. I, I thought there were a lot of people in that band because they were making a lot of noise. And I saw them perform live. I was like, no, that's just the two of them, <laughs> and it was really impressive. And but I but hearing when they brought you guys around to sort of fill out that sound, it really it it it's a it's a big sound. Um, and yeah, did I remember hearing somewhere? I think you guys were on Music Inside Out, and I was listening to an interview with you guys there um, that. One of the concepts, other than the, it's a bilingual band. So uh, Sam Craft, who's one of of Alexis and the Samurai and Sweet Crude, uh, so one of the founders of the band, he's big into the preservation of Cajun French and uh, teaching it and and, right. and sharing it. And so this part of the mission of Sweet Crude is to share that language with the world through art and. Oh man, I forgot where I was going with that. No, it's good. You, it's, well, it's good. You're killing it, right? Yeah. Keep talking, Joel. You'll get sharing the language, sharing this language with the world through art, which is it's an interesting concept, but it 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 that makes it sound like it's sort of a niche project, but mm. the music itself is very accessible. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of joy. It's it's super accessible. I think um, if it, it's interesting how there's a real timeless sound to the music, which is really important. I think there's a lot of like. I mean, I hate throwing that label indie music to a lot of things, but, you know, like, what is the catch-all? What is the category for music? I mean, maybe it's better than the 90s when we just call yeah, it alternative, it's, right? It's 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 not as broad as alternative, right. which I absolutely appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, you know, it's it's pretty broad, but I appreciate that it, it tells you uh, sort of an aesthetic that a lot of people are going for. Like, indie, indie doesn't describe music, mm-hmm. I think, but it does describe to you... It does. Signify that there's something else probably going on with with what it is mm-hmm. indie pop, um, indie rock, indie, <laughs> indie whatever. Yeah, yeah. Indie, indie. Look out for your heart. Indie, <laughs> indie, right. indie pop yeah. is one of my favorite genres, and you guys are kind of a pop band yeah. too. You guys I would say we're a band. pop band. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, it's danceable. It's fun. It's upbeat. Um, well, oh, one of the things that I remember—that's what I was going to from Music Inside Out. I, I thought I remember hearing that you guys were all playing instruments that were not your primary instrument. At, yeah. at least at first. Is that still part of the concept, or have you guys kind of fell, fallen back into what you're we're classically trained to play? <laughs> we we started out um, as a band that would that would play where we would play whatever we wanted to play. Um, you know, we have an idea, so uh, you know, it's like I have an idea and I want to play the drums, so somebody plays the drums, or I have an idea and I want to play the keyboard, and you know, people were, were switching around. And eventually, yeah, it, uh, we realized just basically through live performance how difficult and time-consuming it is to have everyone run around the stage all the time. So we started pulling back from that. Now we, we all play what we play. Um, but the funny thing is, is that for the most part, we don't play what we're... We still don't play what we're supposed to be playing. We just settled into something that felt right at the time. Like... Mm. Um, Skyler went to school. He, you know, he was an education... Uh, student, but he plays trumpet, and like he, he plays trumpet on like two songs, mm-hmm. but he plays keyboard now. Uh, and like I went to school for saxophone, and I play bass now. And Jack, the other keyboard player, he went to school. He's he's just a monster cello player. Like it's beautiful. He plays for churches every Sunday. Like he arranges music. Like he's he's like I don't know. He's he's to me he's just this amazing string guy and he you know and all that but he plays keyboard now yeah uh, <laughs> yeah we so everybody 
but everybody plays keyboard. Well, keyboard yeah, and bass. <laughs> yeah, we had like yeah. five Boilers. drummers at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, so that that was the intent. Everyone, so the band, the the, the project in the beginning was called Mega Band. Um, we, <laughs> that <laughs> I, was the I'm, name, yeah. I'm kind of mad that name didn't stick, but um, <laughs> that's fun. Uh, so the, it was Mega Band. It was supposed to have a lot of people. It was supposed to have a lot of drums and just be drums and singing. It was kind of the foundation for what we would be doing. Everybody has to play a drum and everybody has to sing. Um, we we then kind of fell into the arrangement side of it of like who's playing what. Um, I I'm playing keyboard. I'm probably like the at least fourth worst keyboard fourth player. Worst. Uh, fourth, fourth best maybe is the right way to do it. Yeah, I'm like I'm really not that good at piano, uh, but I'm playing it for this band. Um, Jack is an incredible piano player, uh, and that helped out that he can do that now. But yeah, he's a, he's an awesome uh, he's an awesome cello player. Doesn't do it do, doesn't do it at all. Um, you know, I think I think that's part of the excitement for the band, the love for the band on my part at least uh, is you you're getting to do some things that you don't you wouldn't normally do or you get to explore some territory that, you know, you you haven't before. Um so I'm moving in I've moved into like the synth world of learning patches and programs and how to get weird sounds out of things and I don't know. That wasn't I was never really a gear guy, mm-hmm. uh but I've kind of slowly turned into that um and and it's fun yeah he just went to guitar center and bought like six hundred dollars worth of pedals <laughs> <laughs> just looping everything right well, yeah. filters. I, i'll say i came here and got a margarita first <laughs> good choice must have been a tuesday like i have six hundred dollars i'm gonna spend five on a margarita at 12 mile and then i'm gonna go to guitar center <laughs> all right well i've got a i've got a song queued up this is off of your 2013 EP Super Villain. Is that what does that mean? What does Super Villain mean? Is that it's, does Villain mean villain? Yeah, it, it's, it's, oh, thank God. It's, <laughs> it, you know, it's a double entendre, Super Villain, and it also means very ugly. Yeah. Oh, oh, vil- oh. Super very ugly. Uh, well, just in general, you know, there's, we have a song that's you know about how you are sort of concerned about your looks and how people perceive you. Mm. Um, Me personally. Uh, yeah, we, we wrote it about you. That sucks. I'm sorry. Um, it's good to know. So, but yeah, then we, we just like the way that Super Villain translates. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So here is the final track from uh, from Super Villain, Little Darlin'. For a new feature for season two, we're going to be hopping behind the bar for every episode. Steve's going to kick us off. We've got a drink for you called One in the Hand. It's a Steve Yamada original creation. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it, Steve? Hey, y'all. So uh, really excited to be able to feature a delicious product, Templeton Rye, in this drink, and also bring together some of the things that uh, make Sweet Crude such a fantastic band, whiskey, dancing, and a lot of ingredients from Southeast Louisiana. So the uh, first ingredient side of this drink, uh, we're going to be following the 
basic old-fashioned template. We're using an unrefined brown sugar. We're going to add about a teaspoon, a little, kind of a heavy teaspoon into our mixing glass. All right. We're going to take one orange peel and then just a little dash of water, maybe a teaspoon of water or so. Could you replicate that with a brown sugar syrup, perhaps, if you wanted to to skip the step? We've got the brown sugar, and we dissolve it in the water with a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of orange peel. and Yeah, absolutely. If you wanted to do that, if you're looking for a higher volume, um, I think the, kind of the fun part about this is this isn't a super fancy drink. This is something you can make in a mason jar real quick. You just scoop, scoop, and then you're good to go. There All right, go. so we're uh, pretty good with our muddle here. We're going to add two ounces of Templeton rye into this drink. Delicious Prohibition-style Templeton rye. And then some ice, of course. All right. Give it a little stir then. I don't know if you're familiar with the song One in the Hand by Sweet Crude, but it has the notoriety of being the, the song they loved so much they just couldn't leave behind. It's the only song that appeared both on their 2013 EP Super Villain and also on this year's debut full-length album, Creature, also known as Creatures. And the very last ingredient, I like adding my bitters in a little bit afterwards, uh, so they're a little more distinctive inside of the cocktail. We're using a Creole-style bitters here. There's many different brands on the market. Peychaud's is definitely the most um, uh, well-known. It's a little on the sweeter side with a big anise note. But have fun with this. Whatever you have access to, there's many different things. Um, feel free to experiment and make your own version of one into the hand. So we're going to add this to our glass. Oh, man, that just sounded so liquid. <laughs> All right, and there you have it, our one in a hand. All right, and if you guys don't know, Sweet Crude, they love some whiskey. They love old fashions. This is definitely a drink after their own hearts, and we're all going to enjoy it while we uh, while we get into the second part of our episode. So thanks for bearing with us as we make you a cocktail. We'll be doing more of that in the future. Toi dans la cheminée, moi j'ai le feu. Toi dans la cheminée, moi j'ai le feu. Moi j'ai le feu. That was another track from Sweet Crude. We've got a couple of members of Sweet Crude here with us today. That was the song La Cheminée from their debut feature-length LP. It came out earlier this year, 2017. The album is called Creature, and I know that because there's an accent over the E, but you are allowed <laughs> to call it Creatures, and most people do. That's true. You, can, you don't have to speak French. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys have to speak French. How hard is that to, uh -huh. do, to learn the lyrics in French? Is that, is that tricky? Uh, it depends on your methodology. Uh, if you are a, more of a syllabic learner, uh, it's pretty easy. You just put the sounds together, and then you just say it without understanding any meaning. Uh, yeah, and for our, our Cajun members, you just say it. <laughs> <laughs> how many of do? Yeah, how many of you know what you're saying on any given track? Um, you know, it's really interesting. So, for Sam, um, nobody spoke Cajun French or you know French going into this band. Uh, uh, Sam took it upon himself 
um, via passion and grit and sheer will uh, to learn and become completely fluent. Um, and he and he's I have so much respect for this dude with with his dedication in that. And he he's a uh, he he runs like a, a learning session or a talking session at a library once a week for mm. just just keeping things going. So it's it his dedication to the language. Ex, uh, extends outside of just our band. Um, I, I, for us, we've tried really hard to make that part of our culture as well. Um, some are doing it better than others, but um, you know, I, I, I've taken a bunch of lessons. I think Alexis has done some things. We've tried to have like French. We actually did it out here on this porch. We did like French 101 lessons, learning all of the greetings and 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 things. Um, so you know. It, it's it's fun because we'll we'll pick up little phrases and we're like I've been saying this one phrase for three years now and I don't know what it means what is what is this oh that's how you say <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't know that you know so it varying degrees um, but I think the important thing for us is just that we're keeping it going in some capacity you know do you guys remember the learn to speak French video series Muzzy Muzzy all right, so uh, when I was a kid, I remember that commercial used to play all the time, and it always started the same way with a scene from Muzzy where uh, Muzzy would say, uh, Je suis Muzzy, and then would flash to a, like, a small child watching it, and she'd say, Je suis la jeune fille. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> for a long time, I took seven years of public education French, and it took me until about my last year of uh, taking any French to uh, figure out that Jeune Fille wasn't her name and then like the young <laughs> oh, girl. <man. laughs> so just, just got to say. And I had good French teachers. I just think I'm kind of foreign language, I don't know, inept, unfortunately. Uh, but no, I, you can do it. Always try, right? You can always do it. Keep, keep going for it. Yeah. I, I gave it a shot. I've, I've been trying for a little bit and now I, uh, I tell everyone that I am the Hawaiian one. <laughs> do you speak any Hawaiian language? No, no, but yeah, that's a that's a that's a different story. But no, I, I've tried. I've, uh, I'll be teaching my kids Hawaiian uh, in tandem with my own with myself soon. Oh, that's nice. nice. Oh yeah, you're you're here in part. Okay, we should note that while about half of the band of Sweet Crude, the uh, the actual members of Sweet Crude on paper, are currently here in New Orleans. A, a third of them are here on this podcast right now. Uh, <laughs> the band itself is in Wisconsin, on the road, and y'all are here. Yeah, our, our band is on the road. They're, my band and Skylar's band, they are on tour, and uh, we hired some people who do not look like us to pretend to be us for the next <laughs> month and a half. Do they have to go by your names? Uh, oh, that's a good idea. That would have been a good dang idea. Like, hey, um, I'm Skyler. Dang it. <laughs> is that what Skyler sounds like to you? Hey, I'm no, Skyler. that's the fake hey, Skyler. Hey, I'm Skyler. <laughs> yeah, I think it's what I sound like. <laughs> as like a as a guy, my replacement is a white guy, and as a guy who is not white, I would have loved if he would have introduced my, himself as me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's super, super sad. Um, the... Uh, it's bittersweet, is what I should say. The band is doing very well. Uh, we've had uh, uh, we're we're actually on tour with Tank and the Bangas, who is uh, a, another local uh, New Orleans act, and they're also doing really really well. Um, Too well, and, <laughs> exactly. And can't and, catch uh, them in New Orleans anymore. Exactly. So it's it's really it's incredible that we're having the you know the kind of success and and having the opportunities to play the places we're playing. Um, I think the band's moving a little bit faster than uh, where uh, us. Uh, nine to fivers uh, are, and that's kind of why Stephen and I are stuck. Um, Stephen a little bit more entrenched with uh, some family things. Should I tell him? 
You can tell him. <laughs> Steven and I are going to have a baby. Oh, my God. Congratulations, you two. Uh, Steven and his wife, Jamie, are going to have a baby. Um, very soon. Next week. Next week. Oh, goodness. Well, as er- well, that c- it could happen now. Could happen You're already now. in the window where it would not be a surprise we're, if she were just to have a baby We're right in now. a window. I went to the doctor. She said that the window is not open yet. No? Uh, but yes, within the next week, there is a window. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. So, Stephen, you're here on, in part because your wife is about to make a, a small person with her body, which yes. is super awesome. And congratulations on that. Thank you. But you were also both here because you have a day job that's very demanding. You work at iSeats, we, we mentioned earlier. iSeats, do you want to talk a little bit about what iSeats does, what iSeats is, and what you guys do there? There's a, there's a bit of a, a phenomenon that at least a few years ago, there was a lot of talk about the Silicon Bayou, which is an initiative to lure more tech businesses to New Orleans. But a lot of businesses have, overall, I think the net business direction in New Orleans is out. Yeah. And uh, there, there are no Fortune 500 companies that are headquartered in New Orleans anymore. Right. And right. There, there are a number of small startups, and some of them have done pretty well, I see it's being one of them. Um, but it's a it's sort of thought of in the business community as a difficult place to operate. And the I mean the city shuts down very randomly and for extended periods of time, and it's a little easy to not behave professionally, and nobody shows up anywhere on time. And it, it's just it's a hard place to operate a traditional business. So we didn't show up on time. To this, <laughs> to this rec- that's not what I was. I was not trying to throw shade at you. But, uh, because you were busy with your day jobs, though. It's an, it, but so uh, I want to talk a little bit. So let's talk about ICs more specifically first, but then we can talk about what that looks like. What the tech business, whether that boom ever actually materialized, and if so, what it looks like in the New Orleans milieu, which has got to be a very different environment for for business incubation than silicon valley or new york or any of the other absolutely yeah um i'll 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 take a shot so uh so iSeats is a um is a technology company first Uh, they are web development um uh we build uh custom apis custom front ends custom user experiences what does api stand for i'm Um, tech non oh great you're gonna put me on the spot here um application programming interface Mm. i believe um i should really know that that's my profession but uh (laughs) the uh Basically, uh, connecting to different systems is, is what we do. So um, we're primarily in travel, um, and if you ever book a web uh, book a flight on like an American Express site, uh, that's actually what we built. Though that's the page, pages and the services that we've we've provided. Um, so we're hired by people to come in and, and kind of build these websites that look like their core business and their their branding and things like that. Uh, it's a it's a pretty cool business model. It's it's exciting. It's pretty demanding, um, and there's a lot of challenges. Uh, and it keeps you you know very. Uh, it's a it's a highly customized um, uh, business. So we have lots of just kind of strange requests. And we're like, hey, can you connect this thing to this thing that's never ever been done before? And we have to be like, yeah, sure, we we can do that. And behind the scenes, we're like, what? Yeah, what? What do they want? Okay, all right. What's, what's the strangest two things that you've connected like that that, that you had never been done before, and now it's a fully integrated system? That I actually demoed this morning. Uh, this crazy, we call it a, a Franken uh, agent tool. Because it literally uh, iframes in. If you guys are familiar with iframes, I'm not. Okay, so basically, it's like pot. It's like uh, a window in inside of your own website mm. where you pull in other websites. Um, so we've 
we've iframed in one of our tools that's connecting to another tool, um, and then in the middle of that, we're iframing in our tool uh, and, and another tool, which then links off and iframes in another thing. So we basically just combined this mass, like massive system into this tiny little UI thing that's hilarious. And if you actually like get into it, you're like, this is really dumb. <laughs> it sounds like the inception of websites. It's like the tr- it, really, it's like Tropic Thunder. It's like I'm a dude pretending to be a dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of little weird things that people are like that should be easy right and you're like this is impossible but okay we'll we'll figure something out it's interesting with um the proliferation of tech and how much people want like apps or like how they need like you know their presence on the web to be felt um the the need and demand for people to be able to communicate those needs appropriately my friend uh josh berg actually that's what he does for a living and he's had to explain to me like a couple times but he and he's probably gonna listen to this and be like you you got it wrong again but if i'm not mistaken he works with technology companies and he basically explains what he does and kind of sells the product to people but he like does it in layman's terms and it's like that's that's amazing that that's a job but it's it's completely necessary at this point too as well it's like that way you don't have somebody it's it's kind of like the auto mechanic like uh equivalent of that somebody coming into your shop and be like my car's making a weird noise yeah it's very esoteric knowledge right Yep, yeah. That's basic. That's in. That's basically my my role with the company is I'm I'm that guy. I'm the guy that's like, okay, so you want to connect this thing over here with this thing, and we're gonna have to build a little bridge. Mm. Um, and so there is a need for that for sure. Um, so I, I'm kind of on the the uh, with with this company. I'm kind of uh, a the, the tip of the spear with these new things. Steven's actually the caboose. The caboose uh, of the spear. Of the yeah. spear. I guess I mixed those two things up. <laughs> you just uh, called me a butt. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, kind of, you're kind of the butt of the process, right? Uh, Stephen is our uh, is a quality assurance tester. So after after the spear has been tipped or whatever, jab poked. <laughs> this is an unsuccessful I, metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm supposed to explain things like really easily and like obviously I'm not very good at it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Steven, Steven's there to like tell me how how bad my ideas were and how bad my thing works. <laughs> how's yeah. that metaphor, Steven? I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do, neither of you guys actually build it out. Then you just, not Skyler, coding. Then, yeah, yeah you, Skyler, no. you're doing. You're sort of you take the client's idea and then take it, share it with the people who build it. And then once it is built, Steven, you tell them how they built it wrong or what needs to be yeah, fixed. Yeah, so he, Skylar, defines what somebody wants and uh, puts it in, in terms that a way that uh, a developer understands. Uh, and the developer makes it according to those. And then when it comes to me, um, I basically tell them whether or not they did a good job. <laughs> and I, said, I, I, either say the, I either say good job or do it again. Yeah. <laughs> how, what, how, what level of technical expertise do you have to have for your two respective positions? Because if you're coming out of college as as arts people, both of you, yeah, how, w- did your education prepare you for this? Did you also take or did you, uh, like did technical classes at all in your in your when you were in school? How how did you get it? Because I was like, I would you know a job in the tech world. I would imagine that most people are coming it from an educational background or at least hobbyists, you know, because you don't need a formal education to get into the tech world, but to what level of, of technical expertise do you guys carry, and where did you acquire said expertise? Right, so to start, I do have to say that I 
I got a Bachelor of Music in saxophone, um, <laughs> which got me a lot of gigs and also got me a job at a movie theater. Um, <laughs> and uh, as much as I like serving people food while they're watching a movie, uh, yeah. Um, uh, basically, uh, well, really, I got my job very much as an entry level position. Uh, as, f- as far as quality assurance goes, uh, you start out. <coughs> just comparing pictures uh, like those bar games where you compare uh, naked women to other naked women uh, <laughs> nudie photo hunt well, you're really comparing the naked woman to the same naked woman yeah, to the same <laughs> naked woman uh, yeah, and so it starts out very simple um, so the really honestly the, the, it was very much entry level uh, you, you can get in it's uh, to me, it's probably the best way to get into the tech industry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also started in quality assurance. That was my. That's how I moved from that choir director position to an entry level at uh, at iSeats. Um, quality assurance is a great place to start because it's like where it's it's the end of the product, right? It's like the final product, and you're kind of poking holes in it. Um, in whatever field you're in, it's the kind of like. Uh, if you're in gaming or if you're in you know web design or whatever you're you're just kind of looking at your thing and saying this doesn't look right and you can kind of learn the landscape from there uh, and then kind of move you know whatever direction you're trying to trying to or whatever interests you really right it 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 really is the best foot in the door in my opinion to any tech uh is QA yeah is QA like it's it's you yeah, uh, the threshold is very low, and then you can gain uh, an incredible amount of knowledge. And if you want, you can move on to anything else. And you didn't want? No, I didn't. There, it 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 gets very technical. It gets pretty technical. You 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 basically become a developer who does not develop hmm. the actual product. You have to understand what everyone's writing. You you basically in the way that I decided not to learn French for my band, I decide I I learned. Uh, how to read everyone's CSS and JavaScript, and that's it. So yeah, and you can you and quality assurance is a huge, actual like very very big sought after profession uh, where you actually are developing scripts to then go test all these new things that are coming out and lots of I mean there's a lot of value there for 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 companies and for people who are putting out new code a lot you need you need people who can quickly uh and systematically test through that to make sure you didn't break anything i mean we work with banks you know you you don't you don't want to like you don't want to mess with that yeah, you're not allowed to make a lot of mistakes um <laughs> <laughs> uh, what uh, i see is known for being an excellent employer uh, they're they've been listed for the last five years in a row i think in new, in uh, new orleans biz or the one of the one of the local business publications that is one of the top employers in the city, and that's a, that's a good streak to have. Do you, is that does that match up with your experience? I mean, both of you have been there for pretty much that entire run. I think it's, it sounds like you've been here. You've been there about, about the same amount of time. Do you go, come around? I, the same I, I started a little bit before. I, I've been there for about six years. Yeah, yeah. six years. Oh, um, that means I'm five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I measure it by from him. I got Steve in the job. By the way, <laughs> in your experience, are they are they excellent employers? Do yeah. they admit, do they live up to that reputation? Yeah, I think you know. I think it's really really tough being a business and and uh, certainly coming coming of age and growing within the company. I've, I've seen you know come from like 
and almost an outsider perspective when I first started, like this is dumb. Uh, to to kind of understanding all of the complexities that go into managing and operating a a business, a growing business, a business that's kind of uncertain. Tech tech is uncertain. Things change very quickly, um, and then having to keep uh, culture positive and and uh, fulfilling and making sure that people are enjoying the time i mean we basically see our coworkers more than our family right like you're there eight hours a day and you it you have to enjoy that experience um uh to to feel like a fulfilled human you know you've gotta you have to have some uh stake in that company and some and some uh understand where it's going and you have to feel like you as a person are developing and becoming you know a better uh version of yourself either professionally or just you know enjoying uh, your growth as you know um as you're uh moving along within this company yeah i'd say they've just been a pretty good role model as far as um working in the tech industry goes yeah I mean, it's funny because tech is tech is known for being like, uh, we've got bean bags, you know. Come on, we're yeah, like, no, no vacation policy. Come as, on. As, as a touring band, we've been we we've had the opportunity to to play in random people's offices during the day before our shows, and they're always like, come sit in our giant bean bags. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, like our kitchen is fully stocked with beer and all the coffee you could want. Yeah, and it's it's funny, you know, it's like. Those are, those are things. It, uh, people. Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, How much do those kind of things matter, though. Well, and that's and that that's the thing is like so. There's a lot of like kind of gimmicky things that it feels like that people come up with. I and mean, obviously, we're not in San Francisco or New York, right? So we've visited. I've I've been to San Francisco uh, several times and seen. You know, I've been visited these offices and kind of how that works. Um, f- funny enough, the band actually got to go to uh, Apple uh, last like last trip uh they were they were over uh that way got to tour a little bit of the the facility um which is funny actually i I think that was a lot a lot more locked down and rigid than people would expect (laughs) um but it you know it like opposite google (laughs) where it is like they they conveyor belt out your personalized sandwich on a robot you know some some (laughs) silly like that um yeah, it's it's interesting because like you you're always balancing that cultural aspect. You're trying to recruit, you're trying to bring in people. So I think it keeps businesses honest trying to like be attractive to outside perspective with bean bags. With bean bags, bean right? Bags. But giant I, orange bean bags. The bigger, <laughs> the softer, right? Yeah, I think at the end of the day it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Those are like those are kind of you know, if it works for your company, great. If people enjoy it, great. But if it if it doesn't, right. I think it's more about uh, enjoying and, and knowing you're part of something that's that's successful, and then as growing me uh, as a as a profession and values me as an employee. Right. Um, those are the, those are the qualities I think core to any any business really to making people happy. It seems with tech too, and this is from a completely outsider perspective. I've seen like two or three episodes of Silicon Valley, so I'm kind of a professional. I would say it's accurate. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Cool. Then I'm an expert. Really I got accurate. this. I got the tech industry Especially down. Especially season one. Yeah. It's dead on. <laughs> so uh, I really like that show. I I feel like in that sense, then like you know, there's so many of these companies that are just, and we're talking about like as well in this conversation, the creation or the like pushing for this whole Silicon Bayou concept as well. 
Um, so many of these companies are just, they're balanced on the edge of a knife. Like they're that far away from just closing and then like, you know, five or 10 employees kind of being out on the, out on the street as well. And yeah, yeah. It's a real doggy dog world and it's, it's really tough to get, uh, jobs as well, especially here in Southeast Louisiana. Like there's just, we, I, I, I don't think, and I'd love to hear your guys' perspective on this as well. Um, as much as they, they have been pushing this Silicon Bayou, idea i don't think it's really taken root i mean i know of a couple places but we don't see like a ton of programmers or a yeah. whole bunch of like opportunities popping up i i was talking to skylar about this um and i talked to my friends about this often especially during really during hurricane season uh we have this concept that we call uh hurricane nice um which is when um when a storm comes and the power goes out and suddenly, no one, all everyone's food's gonna go bad, and you're you're hanging out, and you're hot, and you don't want to go outside. You want to be inside, so you go outside. Uh, and uh, if you don't even know your neighbors, you meet them, and you find out who has like a gas grill, and you, everyone cooks on the, that person's gas grill, and and you cook all the food so it doesn't go bad, so you all can eat because you don't know when energy's gonna come in and fix your stuff. Uh, and so we call that hurricane nice. Like your neighbors are extra nice, you know, uh, like bars. They start giving away water and they start doing all these things that become very central to our neighborhoods. Uh, and I, I feel like that that concept that we always think of, assume that it exists uh, personally, extends into the uh, city and professional atmosphere. Where uh, for New Orleans, like we had. We had Hurricane Katrina, and afterwards we were like, well, we love the city. Like, we love the city. Like, suddenly, you know, we love the Saints, and we love, we, we want everyone to move back here. We, we suddenly, icon, like, uh, made everything an icon. Uh, you know, like, we love our Mardi Gras Indians, and we love, like our, uh, like, our culture. Like, we love the things that we say. We love all of these things and our food. And it turned into this huge advertising thing for us, which was great, you know, as a, as a, as a city that lost a lot uh, we were able to show that we ha- we have a lot of value, and I think that applied to the tech industry as well because uh, a lot of the people that were affected are, um, you know, in- intelligent uh, 21st century whatever millennial people who want who who bas- who grew up with the internet who have really great ideas and we have awesome business ideas and uh, so there was like a lot of goodwill and so suddenly all these incubators start popping up and. We suddenly had the launch pad, and we had the IP building that was, to me, like an incubator for an incubator. Uh, and launch pad launched the propeller, which is another incubator. They like they created, <laughs> like it, it instigated all these things, and like people were doing really well, and everyone uh, was in this atmosphere of camaraderie. Like I worked in before I worked at iSeats, I worked in the same building five years earlier. Uh, for a, a production company that was the first pe- the first group to work in the launch pad uh, which is an incubator I, I don't know if I mentioned that <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so when but when I was there this is around 2009 2010 like people were like oh what do you do I'm a lawyer like well I'm a, I'm a designer like blah 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 like uh, uh, and I have all these ideas and it's like well I'll design your website and, and you'll do you'll legalize my business proposition like that kind of stuff and so there were all these seminars and stuff going on and we had TEDx in 2010 I think um, and there, there was just like all this like crazy stuff going on and the, uh, to me um, it's turned into more of a thing that happens naturally to something that 
if we want it to keep happening, like we, it has to happen consciously. Mm. This is not a thing that happens with like, hey, we're doing the same thing. It's more like we were doing this thing that was really helpful to us. Now we have to do it. Like I, I want, I want to do this mm. constantly uh, because I think that you know, in the same way that Hurricane Nice doesn't, ma- uh, uh, you don't, you don't, Hurricane Nice doesn't last forever. Eventually, uh, you start to feel normal again. Eventually, you start to feel normal again. Like we used to say uh, during Saints games, like crime went down like a million percent. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I think that it used to be the the case for us. Like you know, we had Silicon Bayou. Like we we had all these. We the, our government created like film credits and uh, other tax incentives where you spend this much money and you hire this many people in Louisiana. Uh, uh, you you get you get this money back and like you know the the all the government was investing uh, and it's sort of it's sort of going away the film thing went away uh, it we came lost, back might came, be coming it's, back. it's a bit they're working on it yeah it's yeah. it's weird it's in flux uh, we the the other small business tax credits still happen and yeah. for me our company still uses it a lot like yeah. we mm. we try to focus very much on hiring local people yeah um, we 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 do have like an extensive. Uh, like non New Orleans group, but we we absolutely try to foster a very strong uh, local developer. We focus on developers yeah. really because uh, that that's that's really where the knowledge base of all technology is. So. Yeah, I mean it's in, and I'll, I'll build on that. It's interesting because uh, there used to be I felt like a, a kind of an atmosphere or electric atmosphere around like oh tech tech yeah, we're gonna we're in tech oh right. it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I do think uh, there are no for, Fortune five hundreds like GE was here and then they packed up and left and and um, yeah I think I think it has been a struggle or hasn't caught on the way that it's been advertised. Um, there are some there are a few major players in the city um, as far as tech goes, but it's, it's certainly no San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, New York, you know, in, in that regard. Even Austin, I'd say, because uh, Austin's a much, like, newer, like, technique. Tech. They're doing great things. Yeah, right. there's a lot of, lot of really good jobs there, competitive jobs. And I, I think that's, that's another thing, too. Like, uh, we post... Uh, part of, the, you know, one of the big things uh, I, you know, I think uh, we do a good job of at Icy it's anyways the uh, culturally we're always looking at uh, how do we attract people from from these bigger markets because mm-hmm. uh, that's it is a challenge you get these people from outside um, salaries are typically a little bit lower here in, in New Orleans so it's hard to bring in top talent from outside because why wouldn't they go to San Francisco or yeah you know even in Austin and and make good money for probably what they what they deserve and <laughs> and earn uh, or, or should be earning um, so it's it's interesting it's just it's not it's not what what is advertised um i think uh, i think there are a lot of people who are doing it still and and are like these these kind of startups that are, are doing very well and and have great ideas um but at least in my uh experience it's um it's kind of hard to have a uh foster keep keep that keep that alive yeah it has to be a, a conscious effort yeah um and i think the in my opinion, the two greatest things to come out of the post-Katrina Silicon Bayou, uh, end quote, would be like 4.0 schools, mm-hmm. which is very internally focused. Like they focus very much on the city. It's it's not it's this is not a they were not a, a project that was thinking about uh, outside of New Orleans or outside of the region. And then you had Idea Village. Um, 
which was focused on helping other people flesh out their ideas that you know they had they were encountering a lot of problems in Louisiana and a lot of people had really great ideas and some people uh, needed just a little bit of help and idea village that purpose their purpose was to just figure out the best way for them to, to execute it they, right. they didn't execute it for them and those those were people that were there in the beginning and those are those are companies that are still here right now like they're to me it's still the strongest representative silicon bayou <laughs> groups i will say uh you had a funny point about um you know uh new orleans being closed a lot and like how outside people view doing so we we do we do business with people uh not from new orleans most of our partners are located uh, uh well actually all of our partners are located out outside of new orleans new york uh canada uh paris uh you know uh california i mean we've they're just partnered everywhere, um, are, are, are located everywhere mainly. Um, and it's really hard to explain to people that we're taking two weeks off for Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, they hate and it. It's like, it's like, what are you doing for... Uh, we're like, sorry, we're closed. It's Tuesday. And they're like, yeah, what, do you, what do you mean? Um, and it's funny because, it, you know, it's, it's a sad truth or a sad reality that these, like, kind of bigger cities uh, do... I think think of New Orleans as a underdog or a how are you actually keeping that going? Or will you be there next year? Mm-hmm. Um, are you know will will a storm will another storm come? I mean these are these are actual like um, we have to send people you know like hurricane plans and and things. It, it, it and I think that's kind of natural for new business, but it's it's just funny because there is a perception that we have to fight a lot uh, uh, from outside views looking looking in as a as a um kind of a smaller business trying to compete in in a very very large um space cool i guess my last question before we get to the kind of our parting shot segment here on around with Stephen cole do you feel like the initiatives to create and to foster a, a silicon bayou have been successful thus far i'd say yeah yeah i think so I mean, yeah. yeah, I think there's great there's there's great things that have come out, and I think there's a lot of really awesome people who've been given a shot and have run with it. Um, I, I think it's been successful on the smaller scales for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think where it's failed is bringing in the larger um, corporate kind of or just bigger players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's we don't have a you know a Google here. Or we something. don't have anchors. Yeah, 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 right. So you know, when I think that's across the board, even besides tech as well. I think yeah. in all industries, we just are completely lacking that as well. There's yeah. no diversification when it comes to the job market. You're right, right. Yeah. So, so if we ever, God forbid, like you know, I, I don't want, I would never want to find myself unemployed, uh, but. Uh, there, it's uh, if if anyone if anyone ever finds themselves unemployed, there are really not a lot of options if you want to continue working in in tech. Yeah, if you want to uh, jump ship, you're uh, you got three options. <laughs> you know, it's like I can go over here, I can go over here, and then maybe make my way back over there. <laughs> right, and you know, uh, a lot of people uh, probably because of how New Orleans works, we we always have our foot in the service industry. Like New Orleans is not a tech city. New Orleans is a service city. Uh, we like, uh, and so our fallback is not another, another tech job. It's always, you know, going back to, uh, what, 
going what back we, to the movie what theater. we all grew up to yeah going back to the movie theater and what we all basically grew up doing uh you know we're we're all bartenders we're all servers we're all this um and it's it's strange you know if we want to if we want to move into a different direction uh it's it it seems like if that's not if the service industry isn't what we want to do then and we lose our tech job then that will be where we go back to uh hmm. and uh, I don't know. It's interesting. That's a, yeah. It's a strange. It's interesting for me. I, I'm not a bartender. I think you guys' job is really hard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that hard. This is not me. <laughs> <laughs> let them anyway, know. No. <laughs> this is not me saying it's it's difficult. But when like people, you know, people have a lot of ideas about what they want to do. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and uh, New Orleans caters to uh, our, the service industry. Like for me, like I grew up in the service industry. Yeah. I don't know a single person who grew up in this area who doesn't know what it takes uh, and like how difficult it is to, yeah. to, to be that, the, the industry that we're in. Yeah. And we, like, well, we, we've the, all been in that. The, the, I, I think just jumping over to the service industry is really cool because there's some awesome things that people are doing here with like really cool <laughs> ideas. I mean, just kind of across the yeah, board, yeah. there's like, really creative people uh, and, and some major support. Uh, it's kind of that, that hurricane nice mentality. I think still with, with service, I, I feel um, with people kind of saying, "I got this idea, I'm going to run with it," and people show support and jump into it. But I don't um, know. We've kind of we've we've both Steve and I have griped probably on this podcast several times that it's it it I don't know the, the bartending community at least used to feel a lot more collaborative and now it feels a little really? bit more factional. Really, yeah. but I guess yeah. the, the grass is probably always greener. Yeah. I mean, and and I, I just was doing a little research leading into this podcast, and uh, about ten years ago in 2008, the uh, Inc.com 5000, which lists the top growing like fastest growing companies privately owned companies in the United States that the iSeats was on it in, in 2008 so almost 10 years ago and it was the only Louisiana company in the top 500 that year hmm. and this year they just released it again because it's, it's a September oh. list that gets released there were uh, several Louisiana companies in the awesome. top 500 and a few and several of them are Louisiana or New Orleans tech firms there's really? a, there's awesome. a software firm called Revelry yep. that yep. made the Revelry. list Knows and that. an ed tech firm called Mastery Prep and, awesome. and both of those were on in the top 500 yeah. fastest growing privately owned co- companies in the United States there and they go, and they, are, they represent you lose the your jobs life. you got two options yeah, right yeah. there <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> time to jump why yeah, I brought yeah, it up yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so mm-hmm. that I mean I guess there's still some, some cause for optimism but yeah, it, absolutely. It, it may be it, it may not be that that sort of organic mm-hmm. collaborative yeah. This, Everyone's sort of helping each other. This is now a conscious effort dreams. to to make sure that it keeps happening. We, we, uh, our 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 developers constantly are are like, we need you need. There's like a thing, you know, girls who code is coming. We need to send people here and encourage people. Uh, you, you know, we, Nola Tech Week is going on. We need to send people over there. You know, it's and this is not this is not a recruiting tool. Like this is literally like we need to tell these kids that like. This is the future. Like you need, yeah. to, you need to learn how to code. Well, dude. every uh, spring now too, there's that big uh, startup incubator. Or what what is the name of that convention that comes down Entrepreneurs here? Entrepreneurs Week. No, it's 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 yeah, killing that. There's a big maybe, convention maybe, that comes down. Maybe we're the that, problem here. Maybe we're the ones who aren't connected enough. <laughs> together, together we could all learn. That's the point. That's, that's, that's the point. This is like sitting at a bar and you yeah. have a conversation, yeah, and yeah, eventually yeah. you meet somebody who can give you this information. Like, you guys are almost. 
20 years old as a company. ICEATS was founded in 1999. Yeah, that's I, that's I, an old tech company. ICEATS is a mature company that survived the bubble. You didn't yeah. waste your money on a Super Bowl commercial, I'm sure. That probably yeah. helped out. <laughs> yeah, some major growing pains, some big pivots, uh, and, pivots. And, and they're still doing it. I, I think it's, and it's a really exciting thing and growing, um, very, and pretty, pretty aggressively growing. So I, it's cool. It's, I, I really like my gig. Uh, I don't, I yeah. won't speak for Steven, but I, I, I really like my gig. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to be there. I think it's a cool place. And, you know, ultimately positive, uh, vibes for, for tech in New Orleans. I think, yeah, if we lose our jobs, we'll probably be fine. We'll pro- <laughs> probably fine. Also, we may lose our jobs anyway because we're trying to be rock stars. So. Oh, that's, yeah. How, how big does Super have to be? You guys are touring all the time now. I mean, not personally, obviously, because you're here, but, um, but your band is touring. It seems like you're on the road as much as you're at home these days. How big do you have to get before it makes sense to, to make that the job? Well, it sucks because, like, if I was 20, it, this would have been a no-brainer. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm I'm past 30, so uh, these are just things that I have to think about. Like, I'm like, I'm like oh, well, yeah, my gotta, roof was leaking last week. You got a kid on the way. You got in two places. Oh, wait, not, roof, not a, a kid, kid in two, two places. places. <laughs> uh, kids, kids all over the place. I told you we were having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, here on Around and Assuming Cole, we do like to wrap up with parting shots. Basically, the way this works, y'all, is uh, you just reintroduce yourself, tell us who you are, tell you what you like and what you do, and then just give us your last parting shot that you can possibly uh, throw out there for us. Oh, man. Starting with you, buddy. Oh, man. First and last name. All right. Well, my name's Stephen McDonald. Uh, Always follow your dreams. Uh, (laughs) Goodness. Uh, Uh... no, but really, always follow your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. Uh, hey, uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope I didn't bore you. Uh, this is Skylar Stroop. Um, my parting shot is uh, grow uh, your profession, but also have a serious, serious hobby because uh, it'll keep you sane. Wow. So which one's the profession and which one's the hobby? Uh, I, will, well, I guess you'll find out later. <laughs> On, next time. Sequel episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out later. Steve, you got any parting shots for us? Uh, no, I think that answered most of my questions. I'd really like to explore this topic a little bit more in future episodes because I think that there's a lot of different facets on here. Um, one of our good regulars and uh, somebody who was married to one of our bartenders, uh, Sarah, uh, just got went through um, a uh, coding boot camp, and he's kind of starting to think about like what are his options moving forward. So I think it's just a really interesting time right now for tech and that whole industry in New Orleans, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops in the future. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to leave it. I think New Orleans has a lot of big ideas and a lot of a lot of creative energy, and I think you guys epitomize sort of both sides of that in a way that you're able to sort of materialize this sort of what people. I don't even think that most people who aren't in the tech world would look at what ICEATS does as a, a monetizable business. It's like, oh, we're you're synthesizing other websites into uh, something that looks seamless for the user and it, it seems very obtuse but it takes a lot of creativity and a lot of somebody had to have that idea and uh, but also the, the synthesizing the music to, together that you guys do with the, the, the language and the, the playing instruments that are often less familiar to you than the ones in which we were trained I think there's a lot of there's a lot of creativity in New Orleans and that is one of the things that might make it you know maybe maybe we'll never attract that fortune 500 company but we will still have 
a, a bunch of little startups. There will always be a ton of interesting small businesses and new bands with interesting ideas and ways of doing things that we've never heard before. So I think that there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun there. That was awesome, by the way. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> he was mean to you at first, but now he's saying yeah. nice things. So, I mean. It wasn't mean. I just think your ska band was funny. Uh, <laughs> Skylar and I have been email battling song ideas recently. Yeah, what's the newest? What's the what's the next track? What do you guys What do you guys laying down next? What do we, what do we call it? I, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my new band called Skyborg, <laughs> um, and I'm not I'm not even joking. And our our first release, we released it on the day of the eclipse, is called "I Want to Dance on the Sun Tonight." <laughs> if ever there was a time to dance on the sun, it's when it's it's at its coldest. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Eclipse well, doesn't make the sun cold. <laughs> Danceably cold. I, I, do you not know anything about science? <laughs> <laughs> not how eclipses work. All right, y'all. This has been another episode of Around with Stephen Cole. I'm Steve Yamada. I'm T. Cole Newton. And we'll catch you later. Theme music for Around with Stephen Cole is by Derek Freeman. Support for Around with Stephen Cole comes from Infinium Spirits, a family-owned spirits company specializing in the import, sales, and marketing of its distinctive portfolio of brands. Infinium Spirits, igniting brands. Thanks again to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers. I can tell by your body, you've always been a high.